We're glad you joined us for another Grace Story in our series called Grace Stories, where we hear what God is doing in people's life, what He's done, how His grace has changed them, and I think you'll enjoy today's story. Uh, this is uh, one of our podcast series. Every other week, you'll hear a teaching or a discussion about theology. But I, I like stories, and as I, my mom always used to say, everybody has a story. And I think they're very interesting stories. And I think you'll be interested in the story that you hear today. And if you'll especially be interested because we, you recently heard her husband, Pastor Gary Armstrong's, his story. And now we're interviewing his wife, Chayla Armstrong, because we want to make sure he told the truth about everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chayla, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Here's my first question. I've never met anybody named Chayla, so where did that name come from or what does it mean? It ne means consolation. Yeah. and In what language? Spanish. Okay, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, and I'm uh, part Mexican, so it's a, uh, I don't know that I'm exactly a, a consoling person, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what it means. Do you speak Spanish? Uh, a little bit. I'm not, definitely not fluent and uh, took some in high school, but yeah. When I tell people I'm half Chinese, I just have to say all I can do is use chopsticks. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much, yeah. <laughs> can count and, you know, maybe ask a few questions. <laughs> so how do you like being the wife of a pastor? It is great. It's just perfect every day. Life is... Yeah, perfect. That's yeah. what Gary said. That's yeah. why you're here. To, yeah, to, to, absolutely. We're going to vet out the truth here. Um, you listen to Gary's podcast. I did. And you, you thought it was all truthful. I did. Actually, I did. I, you know, the most endearing thing was, and it's, it was so cute, um, anytime he, I heard him talk about me, I could like hear him smile through the podcast. Oh, really? It was so sweet. Yeah. You could hear him smile through the podcast. You know, if you can hear someone smile, I thought I heard him smile. That's right. You know, when you do smile and talk on the phone or something, it changes your, your whole tone. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, um, let's see. So, Gary's story uh, told us about a pretty rough background that he had. I mean, even though he was raised in a church. How about you? Were you raised in a church? I was not. Uh, I also was raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, just like Gary. And um, I was uh, born to a, well, at that time, she was a single mom of, two who was divorced and my father had just come over from Mexico and was 19 years old and so they weren't together very long when they had me never married or anything like that um, and uh, yeah I wasn't really raised with either one of them uh, we were taken away at a pretty young age a pretty young age for me my siblings were a little bit older um, from my mom and uh, and uh, at the time, you know, she had gotten into drugs and we had an uh, abusive stepfather that came into the picture. And uh, so, yeah. Um, Doesn't sound like a real happy childhood. No, no. That, uh, I would say that childhood has been a lifetime of trying to um, escape. Escape what? just uh, the memories of that childhood or the pain of that mm. childhood or just working through it, the trauma. 
With no church background, no religious background? A little bit. So then what happened was we, uh, my brother and sister, they went with their father in California. I w- uh, was went to a few different family members, but then we were reunited with my grandmother who ended up raising us, my mm-hmm. mom's mother, uh, from around 6 to 12, 5 to 12, somewhere in there. Um, and... Uh, there would be like a church bus that would come along and you know pick kids up and give them dilly bars afterwards and i'd remember Hmm. saying some verses for you know rewards and things like that and uh there was a little bit of church exposure but a lot of confusion when it when it came to things of god yeah okay well in that kind of a childhood did you find some happy things what did Um, you like to do yeah so i would love to go outside you know typical 80s nine you know 80s kid um go outside play with friends uh basically until the street lights came on just like anybody <laughs> else okay um yeah yeah just, uh, we were we were very poor so in a way i kind of i'm i'm kind of appreciative of that because uh it's just made me want to work hard for you know anything that that i received and um just appreciate things more yeah good yeah what was your schooling experience? Um, yeah, so I was, uh, you kind of bounced around. We you just uh, different schools there in Indianapolis on the east side um, you know, with my grandmother. But then once I hit uh, 12, 13 years old, I, I wanted to go live with my mother again. Um, she had been, you know, what I didn't mention, she had been a heroin addict. Um, and so that's part of the reason we were also taken away. But at this point, she then got in a methadone clinic, and it's all methadone. So, um, but I always just I wanted to know my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ran away from my grandmother to go live with my mom uh, just before eighth grade, and uh, on the, my last day of school, seventh grade. And uh, yeah, she had a different husband at this point. Um, so she. Still a methadone addict, still an alcoholic. He was also an alcoholic, but it's not the best of um, surroundings. But uh, but you know she was more stable than mm-hmm. in the past. And did, did that affect you as far as drugs and alcohol is concerned as a teenager? So yeah, <laughs> I'd say the way it affected me is that my my grandmother boy she really you know uh, if you're raised with a grandma she just uh, was she cared and and was strict and you know we she knew what we were doing but Hmm. as soon as i got with my mom she was kind of the cool older sister that just didn't mind so much if i was out all night you know i i actually did my first drugs with my mother oh um so yeah um it was just a totally different concept of phrasing me did your first drugs with your mother most people are hiding their drugs from their mother <laughs> <laughs> yeah no <laughs> no and uh, actually my father did re-enter the picture at that point um i did i looked up my my dad and um and found him and um so we kind of had an, an on and off relationship at that time just uh you know i was still getting to know my mom so um hmm. you know okay well, um, what were your what were your high school years like? Were they pretty settled? Were they tumultuous? Were you behaving yourself? No, I no? mean I started off emphatic. Trying no, trying to be the 
trying to be the, the good girl that I maybe was when I was younger, you know, getting good grades and things like that, um, cheerleading, different things, you know, but, uh, but then I just, um, I would say I started looking for love in all the wrong places hmm. and uh, just went boy crazy and, um, yeah, just kind of got myself into trouble. I ended up pregnant at 16 years old um, with my oldest son. And early on in that pregnancy, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that there was a, there was a crisis pregnancy center around the corner from our house. So I knew that described me because it had, it, had, it had the word crisis in it. Hmm. And uh, I didn't know that they were a Christian ministry or anything like that. They actually gave me my first tract. I still have it taped in his baby book. Wow. I have to bring that. Hmm. Um, but I never really read it. I just taped it in his baby book because it was from them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they just, they did a sonogram, showed me a video, just kind of, you know, that this was a baby. <laughs> and uh, pretty much saved his life. It changed your uh, thinking, about, changed my thinking about, about your pregnancy. How were you thinking about the baby before the sonogram? I think I was just thinking, you know, this is just a bunch of... It doesn't matter, you know, what I choose. It's just a bunch of tissue cells, you know. Um, maybe deep down, I there's part of me that knew that mm. it could be more than that. Mm-hmm. But you can't argue with a video no, of a no, sonogram. No, and then honestly, even the pamphlets they handed out back then just um, were very graphic and and. Uh, How old is Zach now? Zach is thirty now. 30? I had him at 16 years old and a month before I turned 17. And actually when I was pregnant with Zach, I did end up, um, I, I missed a lot of school my junior year um, during that pregnancy. A lot of drama surrounding uh, this boy. And so, um, so yeah, I missed a lot of school, went to truancy court and ended up in juvenile for like, you know, a few weeks uh, during my pregnancy. And that scared me so much that I went back my senior year and went to day and night school to graduate on time after mm-hmm. I was born. So. Truancy means you've just been skipping school? I'd been skipping school. Like crazy. Yeah. And it's honestly, I'm so glad they did that because I would have probably never graduated high school had mm-hmm. I not done that. Okay. So you got out of high school. You got a baby. <clears throat> and... Um, was Gary coming into the picture yet? or I know it was pretty no, soon Gary, after high school, wasn't it? Yes. So I had just graduated high school. Uh, two weeks later, I met Gary. He was uh, fresh off the scene. Fresh <laughs> off you, the scene. That's a euphemism <laughs> if I ever heard one. Right. <laughs> um, and Zach was somewhere between nine, ten months old. Um, it was May of uh, 93. Zach was born July of 92. So that's, yeah, I met Gary. I think he's about 10 months old. How'd you meet him? In our apartment complex that I lived in, uh, he was over at a mutual friend's house. And, um, oh, I love how he told the story. Ooh, this is my chance. This, okay. Yes. yes Your yes. shot. You did mention telling the truth. So he mentioned that I had a boyfriend. I would say he wasn't there just for a friend. <laughs> so... So yeah, um, we both were kind of seeing other people at the time and, and just, you know, uh, 
hit it off. Okay, so you, you you hit it off pretty well with him. We did. And you yeah. then you got married and lived happily ever after. Yes, yeah, it's exactly the end of the story right there. No, <laughs> <laughs> no um, we got married about a year later, and it was actually only a month after we were married. Um, we got married July. It was around my birthday in August that we were ready to call it quits. One month. Get it annulled. Mm. Um, just, yeah, honestly, um, he was, I remember him actually trying to witness to me during this time, mm. kind of sharing the gospel with me. But he was doing all the same things I was at that point. Mm -hmm. And I, the only exposure that I had, you know, to anything of God was very workspace. You know, um, you, if you're saved, you should be showing that by your lifestyle. Um, and he definitely, I wouldn't say he was really fitting that mold. So, so that affected his, the impact of his witness on you. Did you didn't take him seriously no. because of his lifestyle? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I don't, no one would blame you. I think, yeah. You know, we usually have to back up our words with our our lifestyle and our deeds. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I he would I was just very uh sarcastic, I think, in my response to him, like, So you're telling me, you know, like you could just go out and do this and you're still safe, you know. I just I couldn't believe it. Okay. <laughs> so you had some issues, you almost almost split up after one month but y'all de decided evidently to keep on plugging yes yeah so we did we we separated we were thinking of getting divorced after a month and or annulment and uh by october by his birthday which i always joke he broke up for my birthday he didn't have to get me anything but we, <laughs> we were definitely back by his birthday huh. <laughs> you think all that was calculated i huh? think it was calculated but uh <laughs> Yeah, by October of his birthday, uh, we were back together and um, just realizing it was a mistake. And what what's funny, Charlie, is that uh, the town that we were married in, uh, Pittsburgh, they sent out these those big old family Bibles that were inscribed with a family name mm -hmm. after you were married in that town. Mm -hmm. And so we were kind of divvying things up at that point. You just, you know, he would come over and from and give me things that we received as wedding gifts or whatever you know just divvying it up just what do we do with this so you weren't living together we weren't living together okay mm -mm. and uh, he brought that bible over it's like i thought you might need this <laughs> and extra, that's, extra large size yes extra large size uh that's what got us talking again was when he brought that bible over that we just actually started talking again and uh just thinking about what we were doing and and actually went out on a date and started dating again. And, um, so it's it. We look back at that now. We still have it, and look back at that now. Just how God was working even in the early days. Just, Doesn't sound like uh, a lot of your life was very happy. That no, you kind of. No. Yeah, I mean, the whole time you're talking here, you got a big smile on your face, but it doesn't sound like you had the kind of life where you were smiling very much. No, um, I think. My way of getting through a lot of that um, was just to disassociate, you know, myself from it. Just to almost um, kind of, you know, talk about the past or or 
think about the past as if it were someone else. Mm. So I definitely had to do some work in uh, counseling, and that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't until after I became a believer. So uh, hmm. when Gary and I got back together a few months later, he you, you heard on his story that right. he went over to this uh, pastor's home mm-hmm. and. Um, just got his relationship. He was a prodigal, so he got his relationship just right with the Lord. Um, and uh, I noticed such a difference in him that within four days, I wanted whatever it was he had. Hmm. Uh, I did, and so I was walking over to the payphone as he mentioned in his story uh, back when there were payphones. Yeah, it was actually next to a bar, and. Uh, and calling that same pastor up and saying, you know, I, I know I have the man of my dreams now, but uh, there's something I'm missing. And he asked me that question, you know, well, if you were to die today and and God were to ask you why I would lay in my heavens, what would you say? And I said, I'd tell him you probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. And he said, like, why don't you just come on over? My wife and I will be up for a while. And um, he took the time, or they took the time to, like, put a Bible in my lap and show me um, from the Bible just um, that none of us are good enough to be saved and that it is a gift. Um, from and That's the whole reason that Jesus came and died and rose again was because we couldn't do it on our own. And so it just, it's almost like the scales fall off, fell off that night just that, um, that even I could be saved. Hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that who have difficult upbringings or regular upbringings and used to living in a world where you have to earn everything Mm -hmm. and work for everything and then somebody tells you that you can have something, the best thing in the world, eternal life for absolutely free and you don't believe it. But what's what's amazing to me in your story is that here uh, Gary is witnessing to you and you're not interested at all because his lifestyle, as soon as his lifestyle changes, you're asking someone about how to be saved right. so lifestyle makes a big difference in our impact with people that's the lesson i hope that we can take away from that it One does place. it does what's funny is uh, though uh, after after i was saved and he mentioned i was the first convert in this new uh, church plant that this pastor was was planting and um we stayed there for a couple years and, and uh, worked with i started off learning the Bible stories, like working with twos and threes, you know, I'm just like reading them the Bible stories, like this is amazing, you know, just <laughs> learning myself Good. Uh, at 19 years old. And then, um, and then we started working with youth and the plan uh, was we were going to go off to World Life Bible Institute for a year and come back and, and work in that church plant on the side mm-hmm. um, of our jobs. Well, somewhere in that year of going to World Life Bible Institute, you know, God just really works in Gary's heart about just continuing his education and full-time ministry. And that's where I think we had this little bit of crisis, so to speak, that um, I was thinking, there, I've never heard of a pastor's wife with a background like mine, you know, a single mom, all this stuff. And I was just, I was afraid, like, mm. how, how can God possibly use us in full-time ministry well, welcome welcome to the human race <laughs> exactly you're, you're actually one of us <laughs> right, exactly yeah 
Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> I'm so thankful for uh, a professor's wife, uh, Betsy Calhoun. She would come over weekly and give me tests out of Let's Know the Bible, just so that I would, so that Gary wasn't just learning. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm only taking a class at a time at this point because we have we have uh, two children yeah. at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, she uh, she would come over and, and give me tests and. and try to get me to, to learn the Bible, but she was the one who really just kind of talked to me about this is, these are the stories that God uses, mm-hmm. um, that God can use your life. Uh, well, yeah, look at the characters in the Bible. You have every kind of issue, every kind of background with people, exactly. and yet God uses people like that. Definitely. So, um, then, yeah, go ahead. And then, uh, yeah, we went on, he went on to... Uh, to West Virginia and finished school out there in uh, Appalachian Bible College. Um, and we went into ministry, and what I was going to say was funny, was you know, you were talking about lifestyle, and um, you know just his lifestyle kind of matching what he was, you know, giving me basically, just, you know, uh, with, the, with the gospel of, of what I thought, like I thought the gospel was you know, all workspace, and so I thought he'd be this squeaky clean, you know, person, you know, once he was saved, and um, what happened with me is after we got into ministry, I think I I just became the role, didn't, and kind of almost lost myself, so to speak. Um, you became a pastor's wife exactly. instead of... Being Chayla Armstrong, right, right. So well, that was a, that. That was the question that's kind of I've been waiting to ask here. Did he ever ask you if you wanted to go into ministry full time? Did you just have that discussion? He did, and so I think he was really patient with me at Word of Life as I was, as I was working through, you know, whether or not, you know, I we could go into full time ministry. He wasn't like well. You know, just kind of beating me over the head, just you know, like, hey, it's, it's okay, you know, uh, you know, we should do this, and God told me we should do that, but you know, he just he. So you were a willing follower. I was eventually. Eventually. <laughs> eventually, I wouldn't say <laughs> I was quite so willing in the beginning, but oh, then okay. once once I felt like God could use us, then I definitely uh, was a lot more willing. I remember when I asked Karen to marry me, I, I tried to paint the worst picture I could of what the ministry is like. I said, we'll probably not have any money, might not even be able to buy a house. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how I painted it for her, mm-hmm. just so that she would uh, go in with her eyes open. But God's been yeah. good to us in many ways, and I don't think she has any regrets, even though she said she'd never marry a pastor. Wow. And look at her now. Yeah, look at her now. <laughs> um, so you... Uh, some being part of a church plant and going to school, mm-hmm. uh, I know that that the financial strain on you, on you both. Yeah. But that's a faith builder. That's a faith building exercise. Did you see a lot of things happen that really did strengthen your faith along the way? We did, and I would say especially that first year in New York. Uh, I mean, we both quit jobs to go up there, and and um, you know, I was just like working part time at the snack shack at Word of Life. <laughs> oh my goodness! And he was, you know, part time bookstore and things like that. But, um, but yeah, it's just it is a lot of faith and a lot of support from the home church and just um, family and different things that uh, helped us, 
you know, get the education and, and go and uh, be there and just, it really built our faith. And I had the idea that New York was going to be like New York, New York, you know, just big mm, city, yeah. lots of people. You get up there in upstate New York and all distractions are gone. I mean, you're burning your trash. It's all distractions are gone. Yeah. And so it just, I think that solitude with the Lord was so needed that year. Mm-hmm. It was one of the one of the best ways to build my faith. Yeah, after Paul got saved, he went into the wilderness for two or three years. And he didn't doesn't tell us what he did, but just being in the wilderness, you can guess he had a lot of solitude. So I think the Lord knows that we need that kind of thing in our lives. Yeah, so. definitely. So, what is the what is the thing you like best about being? Um, I won't say about being Gary's wife. I'll say about being a pastor's wife. So, being a that, pastor's that wife. even characterizing you as a pastor's wife is not really a good thing to do. What do you like best about b- being close to the ministry? Because they actually, you know, the church didn't hire you, right? So, and you don't play the piano, so. Yes, I do not. <laughs> So what, what, do you, what do you enjoy best about sorry, ministry? Professor, but yes. <laughs> now, I, I enjoy uh, things like that. Just being able to pass along um, God's goodness um, to us and, and the lives of other people. And, and just being able to even be a part of being used by Him is, uh, is very humbling, you know. Um, I'd say a lot of the work he's done in my life has been in the last seven years, um, especially just kind of coming into more of the free grace um, circles. Explain that. Well, because I, as I mentioned before, I, I kind of started losing myself in the ministry where, you know, I, I can be, I can be a rule follower. I can be, you know, and that's, I think you know early on, like I mentioned, I, I wanted to see that from Gary, the rule following. The um, I, I think just, most Christians are in there where you're describing. Yes, they think they're following rules and being good Christians because they're doing the right things. Exactly. So even when you're in ministry or your pastor's wife or some type of leader, it's so easy to to fall into that that mold of expectation on externals sometimes, and uh, I think I. I enjoy just maybe playing a role and just meeting expectations okay if you lead a bible study or if you you know sing up front or if you do the do things you're fulfilling your your duty or your role um and it's easy to maybe equate that with your spiritual walk with jesus right and so this last you know, I'd say seven or whatever years as we become more um, in the free grace circles, I learned that even in leadership, you know, as we went to New Braunfels Bible, um, even in leadership, you're free to be yourself. And people are going to kind of ask you how you're doing. And like, really, they they care, like, you know, they want you to be genuine Mm -hmm. um, and you don't have to fake it it's okay to show your mistakes and it's okay to be vulnerable. And I don't know that I ever felt so vulnerable as I have in these circles. Um, and so at first it kind of crushed me. I was like, I, I, I was almost, you know, 
just I did beside myself, not knowing. Okay, well, who who am I really? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, where am I? Am I walk with Jesus really? Um, and so it just it, I had to do a lot of digging deep and, and kind of dealing with some of the past trauma and things like that. Of, um, you know, just uh, <coughs> the pain from that and just the scars that that left and being okay with being myself because I don't know that I was ever comfortable being myself and I think that was an issue well have you also been found that you're drawing upon your past negative experiences useful in ministry or sharing with those that that, those things with people and using them to help people now I have been more open about it it's just it's been a it's been a process getting there. That's, those are things I just didn't, uh, you know, share as often or utilize in the past because, uh, like I said, I just kind of distanced myself from it. Once I got away from it, I left it all behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so it hasn't been until more, you know, recent years that I've even really started kind of opening up about those things. Mm. Well, grace does make a difference. It, in, one incident in the Bible that I think is uh, interesting is that when Jesus was baptized, the Father's voice said, Behold, you know, my Son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus hadn't even started his ministry yet, but he was pleased with his Son because he was his Son, not because he did anything. And and I think what you're saying something similar. I love that. It seems that, you know, you. I think that grace teaches us that God loves us because of who we are, yeah. not because of what we do. Yeah, and that freedom that you receive when you really realize that, um, that He loves you as you are, who you are, um, you know, right where you are, it, it's, it's, it's life-changing. Um, so yeah, it's it's really, um, I don't know, it's, I guess it's just when it caused me to dig deeper in um, my relationship with God and just want more. Great. And you're going to be participating, participating in a conference soon, talking to young girls and younger girls. Yes, it looks like things. that may be postponed a little bit, but uh, yes, uh, mothers and daughters, yeah, we're going to be... Um, our church is going to be hosting a a conference that ta- tackles tough topics for teenagers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tongue twister. <laughs> tough topics for teenagers. Uh, yeah, and specifically for for young women, um, and you know, just kind of who they are, their identity, and um, a lot of these things that young women struggle with. Um, you know, where we try to find our worth and. So yeah, it's going to be sharing my story with them. That's great. So um, you have digressing a little bit, or just changing the subject a little bit. You have uh, you a love for animals and a lot of pets. Yes. Tell us briefly about your um, menagerie of animals. Yes, uh, we have two miniature horses. And that, I mean, this has just been since 2021. Do you have to, like, put one foot on each one and ride them? 
Yeah. How do you ride miniature horses? We do not ride them. Uh, they're just strictly pets. Uh, we, yeah, we have a boy and a girl, and then we have two little goats, um, miniature goats, miniature Nubians, and then uh, two bunnies and three dogs. We just add our third, added our third dog uh, this past year. Okay. During that whole <laughs> cancer struggle. Well, I say more power to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of caretaking. <laughs> yeah, it's it is definitely a lot, but uh <clears throat> Oh that's good. So that's kinda like a hobby for you. It is. You know, I've always I have always loved animals. It's just, you know, again, uh you can trust them. And uh, you know, there when the times I couldn't necessarily trust people to be mm-hmm. there for me, like you can always trust animals. <laughs> they just seem to be you know that's that's very true i always tell people i like animals too with a little gravy but anyway <laughs> that's a that's a bad joke right. wrong person let's <laughs> is there anything else you want to tell us about where your life is headed or how your life is going right now yeah um so i would say just this past uh this this past year um uh in april of 2022 I was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer um, and didn't really have a lot of symptoms leading up to or at least that I knew of symptoms leading up to it um, some weight loss some nausea and things but um, yeah I was diagnosed on tax day uh, of last year 2022 and then quickly went into uh, surgery in May and uh, and then went through six months of chemo and finished in November and currently in remission. But I think the reason uh, that has been such a game changer for me, I guess, um, of just really purposefully trying to get close to the Lord and just draw near to Him is because uh, Gary's telling me yesterday, <clears throat> you know, with all of the things that happened in my past, I didn't really value life. Like there were, life was so painful that I fantasized death more than I did life. Mm. Even even sometimes as a believer, just struggled with that. Um, With just my purpose here and just, again, being a burden on everyone around me and just, you know, wanting to just, just, not be around anymore hmm. sometimes um so it was it's it's always been a struggle um are you saying your experience with cancer has changed that perspective yes, yes. about life itself about life itself yes to really i think god is really teaching me still teaching me to appreciate every day that he's given because uh because i didn't mm-hmm. um and i'm finally like learning to just appreciate my time here and really um, wanting to glorify him with this time. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's true. You know, especially people have experienced tough experiences and they're th- thankful to be alive. And also, um, when people get older and they realize their days are limited, they start paying a little more attention to the people around them. Unfortunately, yeah. sometimes it's too little, too late. But yeah, we often true. take people in life for granted. So it's good to hear that that's going on with, with in your thinking. Um, well, we had just a little bit of time left. Anything else you want to mention? Man, I sure do love my husband. Yeah, you got <laughs> got to throw that in. He is, you know, 
And, he's just, he's and your other children, yes, Zach is thir- Zach, 30. Yes, Zach is 30, uh, and his wife, Kenzie, they are just, um, they're down in New Braunfels. Uh, huge blessing. Our middle son, Keaton, and his wife, Annie, up in St. Louis. Um, we, we joke that we are church planners in that we leave children everywhere we go. Every ministry <laughs> we've been in, we just leave children behind. And so that's how we're planning. <laughs> okay. Um, no. uh, so Keaton and Annie are up in St. Louis, and then Garrett and Laura are still here uh, in Burleson with us. Okay, that's good. Now, if somebody's listening, some young lady's listening, and she's chosen some, made some bad decisions in life, she's had problems, she's covered with guilt, she really doesn't feel the love of God, she thinks people are looking down on her, judging her. Can you give, give a brief word to someone like that? Mm. Yeah, I would say that uh, God does absolutely love you, and um, you can trust Him. His character is true. What the Bible says is absolutely true about Him. And uh, we sometimes um, suppress or hold down that truth because we just we we want to believe what we want to believe and uh we we don't want to believe that there's maybe someone who who could love us uh in that state you know that we feel that we're in um but he he loves us so much that he he sent his son to die for us and uh and he definitely um he definitely sees us, you know, when no one else does. He sees us. Um, he sees that pain. He doesn't waste it. Um, he holds our tears on bottles. <laughs> hmm. um, and, yeah, he he can absolutely use, um, use you. Hmm. Well, Chayla, I know uh, I would call you a trophy of grace that God has done wonderful things in your life. And and your life is pouring out, spilling over into the lives of those around you now. And I know that Burleson Bible Church is happy to have you and Gary mm-hmm. very much, and they they treasure your relationship and Thank your friendship you. and your ministry to them. Although it's we're not paying you for your ministry, paying Gary for his. <laughs> so you you're free to do whatever you want. That's a nice thing about being a pastor's wife. You can do whatever you want. It's the best. Or you don't do it. Or you don't have to do anything. <laughs> yes, Nothing's yes. expected of you. Isn't that neat? It is very neat. <laughs> so anyway, it's been a nice conversation. Thanks for talking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So that's Chayla Armstrong's story. And you can get a hold of her probably through Gary Armstrong if you contact Burleson Bible Church. I think it's Gary at BurlesonBibleChurch.org. Get a hold of her that way if you had a question or something for her. It's been, it's been great to sit and chat with her and see how God has worked in her life. Um, and I trust that God is also using her words to work in your life as well, to reassure you that His love is, is constant and continual and ever-present and always available. And the grace of our God in Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross is available for anyone and can change lives even today. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, right now would be a good time to do that. Just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross and paying the price for my sins and rising from the dead. And I want to trust him as my Savior right now. And just thank him for the eternal life that he gives as a result of that. And then share this podcast with someone that you know that would, would enjoy hearing it or needs to hear it. And, um, and 
give us a comment or two on on the line on uh, the podcast line that you're listening to um, app whatever and more people will hear it so thank you god bless you until all here